0: Welcome to episode 52 of the Bill My Online podcast. I'm your host, Terry. And this week, I've got Noel Sandisky from Fridge2Go, where she's going to talk about the cooler bag business that she's in in Australia called Fridge2Go. So it's a very interesting business model as the original product was invented by an entrepreneur in Hong Kong, and he actually licenses out to different countries to be built into different businesses. So I think uh, she runs the arm in Australia. They have like a UK arm and a US arm. So we'll hear Noel's side of the story, building the business up in Australia and before we get into this uh, some news and updates a couple of interesting things happening kind of in the social media marketing world so if you've used an app called vine it's basically a kind of video recording thing on your uh, phone, it's like a Twitter, but you record six second videos and it loops itself. And so, if you also use Instagram, you probably noticed that they also recently added a video function too, but theirs is 15 seconds. And so, I think the interesting thing is that YouTube was primarily the kind of video channel that everyone puts their products and your, their marketing stuff on. And now you have these kind of hybrid video, uh, I don't even know what to say, like Programs, but kind of they're in between. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in terms of e commerce stores promoting their products uh, or their concepts through these different channels. And I noticed that things like Vine and Instagram, they're much more mobile friendly in terms of watching a video. So, uh, for example, when you watch a video on YouTube on the iPhone, you need to go to the app and then you need to search for it. And whereas, kind of, if you just follow someone on Instagram or Vine, it shows up in your news feed and you can just start playing video. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in kind of the next month uh, and year. When people have another marketing channel to kind of use. Alright, with that being said, let's get into this next episode. All right, so welcome to the show, uh, Noel. And so, very quick, uh, who are you, and what do you do?
1: Sure, um, my name is Noel Sedinsky, and I um, am the founder and uh, run Fridge to Go in Australasia.
0: And, and so, uh, Fridge to Go, you know, how would you explain this business to a stranger?
1: Sure. Now. Um, We actually, with with Fridge2Go, I didn't invent the product, I should say. We've pretty much sort of found the product and have taken it um, to new levels and new areas and and that sort of thing. So we started, my husband and I started about just over six years ago with the business. And um, he actually found the product, which was pretty much where we started, I I suppose you could say, um, because he just found a product that was so cool. He had to bring it to Australia,
0: really. Oh, I see. So you guys were using this kind of on your own, and then you that hey, other people might need this too, right?
1: Yeah, well, he he found the range in, in Hong Kong, actually, and um, he's a type 1 diabetic, and they were looking at developing a medical wallet. So he helped them with that because, um, obviously, firsthand, you know, he used insulin all the time and, and had a need for this product. So initially, when they first designed it, it, it froze the insulin. It was just too cold. Not a good problem to have with a medical wallet, but it's probably a good problem to have with a cooler bag in general. So anyway, they modified it and the medical wallet we have now is ideal for insulin or any any medication that requires cooling, but... It just made so much sense in Australia being such a hot country that um, there were so many other needs for this product as well.
0: I see. So for someone who's never seen this before, how would you describe what it looks like and kind of how it works?
1: Pretty much. If you look at it, it looks like a normal cooler bag, a traditional cooler bag that doesn't do much more than any any other one. But um, it's very different. It really works like a fridge. That's the name, Fridge to Go. Basically, how it works is you put something inside it. It can be cold or room temperature. And if it's room temperature within an hour, it'll be cold like it's been in a fridge so items get cooler before they get warmer and that's how you get the eight hours sort of a full day whereas most cooler bags you put something in cold and probably in three to four hours it's pretty room temperature pretty gross so depending on what it is so it's very very different from pretty much everything on the market so
0: it actually pushes the temperature down and then over time that's how it stays cooler longer right if i'm getting this right
1: exactly exactly and then it just keeps the cooling inside the bag so the um, Jackson Chan, the inventor, is brilliant um, and comes up. He actually um, plays golf and wanted to keep his drinks cold. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the, so ironic. yeah, when you're playing 18 holes, you're out the whole day, definitely.
1: Exactly. Or if you want to play two rounds, God forbid, you know. so.
0: And so I noticed this product is a very big hit with children, I guess, when they have lunch at school? Or? Yeah.
1: I um, actually started the business when I was on maternity leave. So initially, of course, you think of Australians, although I'm Canadian, you think of Australians um, and you think of beer and wine drinkers sort of thing, which is what we naturally thought. And it is a huge market in that respect, you know, keeping beer and wine cold. But really, um, having a, a newborn and sort of entering that whole world of, of parenthood, I guess, I saw all the uses from that stage of things, I guess. And and just starting starting from from young right up to school age and just talking to parents, everyone is looking for the, the perfect school bag, a lunch bag and that sort of thing. So it really just solved a problem for so many people. So it made sense for us to to kind of niche it a little bit to target more, you know, babies, kids, that sort of thing. And then pretty much what's happened is the parents then say, well, if it's good enough for my kid, I think I need one. Or or dads steal them all the time. <laughs> but, I mean, there's so many... There's so many uses, you know, it's just trying to be everything for everybody, but um, which obviously with the online store, we can reach that many more people.
0: Yeah, because I see you have like even like kind of like a roller bag, a little like six pack holder and like some kind of bigger sizes.
1: Yeah, so the Roller 36 is pretty much as big as we get. That's the roller as well because it gets heavy. And then... um, yeah, there's all sorts in between. The small and medium lunch bags are probably definitely the most popular. The medium lunch bag is by far the most popular of all our products. Then you've got the Mini Fridge 6 and 12. The Mini Fridge 12 is really popular as well because that's great for either someone with a big appetite or um, even just a family, you know, going to the beach or a barbecue or road trips, anything. So it's a good size.
0: Mm-hmm. So one thing I've noticed that when you manufacture products in Asia, there's like the minimum order. So how did you go from saying knowing that you had the first sample like to scaling it into like a whole operation because I'm sure Sure. you had some testing to do at first right what was that like?
1: Absolutely absolutely and um, it's all kind of relatively new and, and from a retail perspective trying to see what people want and trying to tack into those needs and stuff like that so initially we had about nine colors of the small lunch it was ridiculous and couldn't figure out why no one wanted green and yellow and different things like that and so it probably took us over three years to kind of pare down the colors and realize we can't be everything to everybody uh, and that sort of thing. But we really, we built the range slowly. We didn't decide to have, you know, 12 different products initially. We, we started with a few and and we even designed a few and tried a few different angles and stuff like that. And it's really been trial and error. And we really, and, and it's, I think with social media and stuff too, which, you know, we can talk about, people tell you exactly what they want or don't want um, all the time so you you really get a grasp of what works which is really i find so amazing cuz you you know you get access to people and they tell you right then and there what they like or don't want or they email you and say i want this or that sort of thing so
0: yeah instead of in the conventional offline route where you need people actually buy it you need to put the inventory money and then you get the feedback and then
1: completely kind of- completely i mean i must say that um yeah the whole cash flow and inventory exercise is is always an interesting one. We've realised we can't be everything to everybody, so we've pared it down. But we've obviously built up the range, and um, we sell in quite a few retailers as well as just online. So bringing stock in isn't just to feed just our website; it's um, a whole bunch of other websites and other retailers. So, but we've been growing steadily, but not too crazily. It's sort of still in control, which, which I quite like.
0: And so you mentioned when you started out, you had a few. Are we talking like? under 10 products like 10 to 20 or kind of
1: oh geez um initially i mean we also sell to corporate um, businesses and things like that so so maybe a corporate would get a specific bag we didn't stock and then we would tack on an extra 500 or something and say let's see how this goes and that sort of thing so sometimes we did it that way in terms of not being able to make minimum quantities and stuff like that the the factory has been wonderful in helping us with that,
0: so you piggy you piggyback off a of corporate order. Is that what I'm getting at, or
1: sometimes we did? Um, I mean, with the lunch bags, it was pretty obvious they were going to be a hit. So we we did have quite a few of those at the beginning, but we probably only started with um, maybe five products even. Um, we had, we had way too many colors of all of them, of course, but um, that was a, a, a definite learning
0: curve. And so how did you realize that you had too many colors?
1: Well, we weren't moving a lot of them and people tell you what they want as well. But for the most part, you know, we, we were running out of some colors and, and having way too many of others. So it was really obvious. Nine initially was, was too much for the small. And with the medium, we, we only had navy, black and red for the longest time. And people were begging me to get pink. When we got pink, things d- exploded like it really blew my mind because i'm not a pink girl so <laughs> i didn't quite get it but um i get it now
0: <laughs> yeah like i see there's four colors like the navy pink red and black
1: yeah for the medium we did bring out a limited edition of the medium i um, in a floral which has actually been quite popular but we want to look at you know doing limited editions here and there just to keep things fresh and and, and that sort of thing but really our point of difference is Strong bold colors because everyone else is doing you know 50 billion patterns and all sorts of stuff, so we, we like sort of the clean, simple lines of it as well.
0: I see, I see. And so, you mentioned how the medium bag is doing very well, and you know how there's the 80 20 saying, like, do you find that you know 20% of your products are bringing in 80% of your sales, kind of, and then like the vice versa? or
1: Probably that probably is accurate, actually, maybe 70, 30, maybe not quite 80, 20. But um, probably out of 10 lunch bags, maybe three are small and seven are, are medium. So that, you know, the lunch bags in general are definitely the most popular. But what we find is, is that's where people start with us. And then they see all the other products we have and they know they work so they just get excited and go crazy
0: and so we were talking about the manufacturing kind of uh, cash flow and scaling so you know i'm sure there's like a certain amount of lead time that takes into making these and then getting it to your store in australia and then you shipping it out right so how did you learn that process when you were starting out
1: um well my, my husband um has had a lot of experience in that so he I really have relied on him a lot, actually, to help with that. But generally, yeah, it is sort of 10 to 12 weeks from, from order to to getting it. And, um, I mean, with online, it's brilliant because you get an order and you can get it out, you know, within 24 hours and people can have it in their hand in a few days and you can blow them away, you know, with with your speed. But um, you got to have the products here, really. I, last, was it last year or the year before, la- um, we ran out of one colour in the medium we ran out of navy and we didn't have it for about 3 months and this was in January and back to school and we just totally underestimated the power and you know we thought we had more than enough you know within the first week of January we'd run out it was just a nightmare and there was absolutely nothing we could do because as you say with with lead times they can't turn 12 weeks into too, <laughs> no matter how much begging.
0: <laughs> yeah, and some maybe have rush orders too, but I think it also depends on, for the supplier, like how big of an order do you take in there as a customer base, right? So
1: Sure, sure. And, and ironically, I think Fridge to Go is another part of the world, but we um, we've been really niched with kids and stuff like that and um, have been really committed to what we've been doing and just starting sort of at a grassroots stage and just educating, you know, people one at a time and then they go out and tell two friends and so on. And we've been having a lot of success with that. And so, you know, from that respect, our our manufacturers really is, is happy with us because, you know, we're making things happen and and that sort of thing. But, you know, we have a good relationship, but at the end of the day, the amount of time it takes and that sort of thing, for sure.
0: Yeah, as long as everyone's moving product, uh, everyone's yeah, happy. Yeah, everyone's
1: happy. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I want to kind of pick your brain a little bit about inventory forecasting. So how did you kind of decide like okay we're just going to buy x amount for the next two or three months like how did you figure out that number
1: well i mean we've been going now for geez almost well over six years so we and as i said we we've been growing steadily but not insanely so really it's historical data that add you know 20 to 30 percent on top of that and gauge in that respect so in the last two years we've picked up quite a few retailers so we just accounted for that as well to make sure that You know, we had at least what we had had the year previous and then either 30 or even 30% 30% more or even double in some cases depending on the products because now we know as well what what really sell. Pretty much historical data has been the the key for us. And, you know, I mean, this this past summer we had more than enough stock and, and you know, didn't want to have that same problem we had last year again.
0: So hopefully we've learned. So, so I guess the methodology is that if it takes me 12 weeks to make something and I sell, say, 100 a month, uh, I should order... Uh, three months worth pretty much right kind of ballpark it
1: it sounds good in an ideal world we're really cyclical though so we're we're now sort of heading into winter we still we still do okay actually and every winter is getting busier because kids still need a lunch bag every day and you know it's still certainly hot in some parts of, of Australia but um it's definitely quieter, so it's a lot e- easier to gauge. So we probably get four to five shipments in a year, but they're all targeted sort of around spring, summer, leading into it, and then possibly in the middle of it, and then even into Jan just to top us over again.
0: I see. So yeah. So even when you're forecasting. Yeah, even when you're forecasting you need to take in the seasonality
1: yeah well I mean we discovered that quickly when, when winter hit and everything stopped wait what happened so yeah but we you know it's all been about education and that sort of thing as well and we really push healthy eating and and you know taking good food with you and and nude food, so you don't have a lot of rubbish in your lunch bag and all sorts of things like that. And so I think consumers, you know, seem to find that valuable and, and come to us as a resource as well. And, and you know, by default, we do get a lot of referrals from Facebook and different things that come online to buy our bags and, and stuff, which is really positive because it, it means we're obviously... Doing something right.
0: And so, you know, let's go back to a little bit about initially launching at first. Because I think when you start out, you know, customer feedback is also great, right? But when you're just starting out, how do you determine whether A, this is feedback, I should actually build into the product, or A, this is feedback, I should just ignore and maybe some other day I'll build it in?
1: Initially, I think we took almost everything on board because... We didn't know what we didn't know, I guess. Now I know when to go, yeah, 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 whatever. And um, I might pretend to listen really well. But no, I I think that um, we did a lot of trade shows and, and Pregnancy Baby and Children Expos and, and things because that was the niche we were targeting. And we were we were on the ground talking to hundreds and sometimes thousands of people. You can see a pattern, so you can see what they want, and you, you can't help everybody, but you can certainly see, you know, the needs shine through, what people are really wanting. And And I think what it came down to really in terms of starting the business was why did we even, you know, feel this was necessary? And it's it's really nice that it's a cooler bag that keeps things cold, but it actually solves a, a problem that people have. You know, to be able to, whether it's to take expressed milk or um, a baby's bottles of milk or, you know, snacks or their child only eats sushi or whatever it might be, um, it just makes life a little bit easier because you can take anything with you and that sort of thing and so I, that's what I love about it being a mum because I have two boys you, you know just to make one little thing like that if you have food <laughs> you, can, you can you know you can combat so many tantrums and and all sorts of things you know I, I just found from personal experience it worked really well so I was trying to, to dig down to actually what are we trying to achieve, and what are we trying to help people with, and that sort of thing.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, understood. Yeah. And so let's go back to a little bit of feedback because I'm just kind of starting, and there's all this stuff I hear. But so, you know, when people say, "Oh, this would be cool to have," or you know, "I would like to see this," like, how do you kind of determine that thing? Because there's, like, do you, do you know what I'm talking about?
1: <laughs> you, um, sort of. So kind of like you, pe-
0: people will say this would be nice to have in a feature, but then you don't know if they're actually serious or they're just suggesting it right because there's a like that a diff- they might
1: buy it, you mean if they're saying oh that sounds that sounds interesting but you know that sort of thing
0: yeah and then there's some that say i want to add this this you should add this like how do you did de- how did you in- to sort through that
1: look i have a lot of people say can you do patterns can you do you know um and all sorts of different things and and we have looked at that, but, you know, that comes back to manufacturing in minimum quantities and things. And we, we don't need 5,000 of, of one, you know, design that in two years or even a year will not be really that cool anymore. So if there's a a pattern and a lot of people are kind of asking for it or requesting it, or, you know, you go with your gut as well. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, you look, you look if there's really um, a need to change or evolve and that sort of thing. And I think, um, we were on to a good thing and sticking, sticking with what we were doing and not changing and chopping and changing for everybody with, you know, all the different comments and stuff like that. Because um, as a, I guess you, you're never going to please everybody, but I, I try.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess you're saying is that, you know, take the feedback as a compass where to go, but not like a map on what exactly to do right
1: yeah still go with your gut still go with your gut and if you if you're adamant that what they're saying is not going to work for your business then absolutely don't go with it go with your gut um i think that's the first and foremost for sure
0: yeah because there's a balance between doing what you want to do for the business and what the customer wants too right and there's there's this balance you have to figure out
1: yeah no definitely and i think if you can find your little niche where um you know, you're kind of on your own if possible, or with as few people as possible, and can really differentiate yourself. And that's, that's what's been really interesting about about this business is, um, you know, really knock on wood, there's no, no competitors, there's no one else who has a bag that does what ours do. And, you know, we have people who say, you know, my son needs to travel an hour and a half to school and an hour and a half back, so he needs to take breakfast, lunch, afternoon tea, and even, you know, pre-dinner snacks sort of thing. So they just love our bags because they're, you know, they have peace of mind because they know their, their child has good healthy food and they're not dying on the bus, you know, that sort of thing. So we get all sorts of, of stories like that, which I think is really cool.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting because most people – you know if there are single guys like me in your late 20s or even girls you want to think about making products for kids right because we're not even at that stage in life yet whereas sure. kind of you've been there you know what's actually needed and you have a you know community that can kind of help you test the product and improve it too so
1: yeah absolutely I think um you know I have lots of friends who who love taking the bags to uni or to work because you know, buying your lunch every day is expensive or you tend to buy fast food or whatever it is. So, so we have all these different niches or even tradies, you know, trades, people who are up at the crack of dawn and have to bring a humongous bag full of stuff to, to last them the day and stuff like that. So there's, there's all sorts of other niches that we tap into, but we don't put as much time and effort in pushing them because they kind of are just by default sort of fit in. So um, I guess because of where where I'm at as well, it may it, it makes more sense to target in on the the parent, I guess, or or looking at the niche with kids because looking at school kids, there's plenty of them.
0: Yeah, and there's so many more niches you can know, go like sporting events oh, or like B two B hotels that would use this. Totally, and like-
1: totally. And we've had corporate corporate companies give them out to employees as an as a gift for Christmas and different things like that, which you know with their logos on them and stuff like that which is wonderful and and you know gets them in their hands and then often they find other models that we do or or whatever it might be so there's so many different ways of doing it as well um of getting the bags out there and stuff like that which i always think is exciting and
0: that's a very interesting cross-promotional thing because then when they give it to the employees and they go home and use it they're like oh i could use this for my kid where do you get this made and then they find you guys right? it's yeah. almost like a yeah. you make the sale and it does the advertisement Oh two. totally,
1: totally. And it's a patented product, so it has to have Fridge to Go on it somewhere, which is great. And if you Google if you Google Fridge to Go, pretty much because we've been around for so long we've been consistent, almost anywhere in the world we come up. So although there's other fridge to go offices and, and they all feed back often through Hong Kong, I get a large majority of them because we've you know, our website's been up for a while and there's a lot of activity there and, and stuff like that. So.
0: Interesting. Are you guys uh, primarily uh, incorporated in Hong Kong? Or it sounds like because you go there a lot?
1: Or? No, no. We're um, So we're just an Australian. We're Australian kind of New Zealand business. And then um, Jackson Chan, the inventor, he holds all the rights and everything in, in Hong Kong. So we're just the, the Australasian arm.
0: I see. Yeah. I, I know Hong Kong is a great place to do uh, e-commerce and just incorporate in general because of the tax and... A lot of stuff. Yeah, there.
1: so I hear actually, yeah. And we don't have a business there. It sounds like a whole a whole new kettle of fish.
0: <laughs> right, let's go into a little bit about design improvements a little bit. So do you have a design background or does your husband
1: Actually my my father's a designer, but um so I guess design's always been a part of my life. But um no we we actually had the site designed, and then we. Um,
0: oh yeah, oh, the the product. Sorry, sorry. <laughs>
1: oh, the product. Okay, yeah. So we we both know what we like, and we're quite adamant about that, I suppose. And so we're both quite modern and simplistic and contemporary in terms of the product. Initially, it's only gotten more improved, I suppose, since we've been involved with the products, but. Um, we've had a hand in designing um, the two bottle tote um, and a couple of the single bottle totes and things like that, just in terms of improving it for our market and seeing what people want and that kind of thing. But um, we've always been less is more, really, because um, keep it simple and, and practical. I
0: see. But when you're based in Australia and the designer or the suppliers in Hong Kong, China, like, how do you say, hey, I want to add this thing here? Like, How do you show it to them? Because that's a challenge i've encountered well i
1: mean it's amazing you know with an iphone and you can do a little picture online or whatever it might be as a visual but um you know you can send different um, bits of inspiration so easily now over over the internet or you know by email so getting your point across even if you do it in a few different ways is is pretty easy actually i mean it's it's not as ideal as being right there but for the most part um you know we've never really had major
0: problems it's funny because what i do is i go to like pinterest or i go to like google images and then i search what i like and then i draw like a circle on it yeah like photoshop and then i send it to them and this is, you know, just put these together and yeah. then see what you come up with right so
1: yeah i'm loving pinterest it's just beautiful and and instagram too yeah. i mean it's <laughs> it's just so fun it's they're such good time wasters. <laughs>
0: yeah, and really, that's all you need to just prototype a product. You just, like, get a couple inspirations. You circle Absolutely. which part you liked. Like, yeah. uh, I like this little zipper. You put, like, an arrow on there and then...
1: <laughs> yeah, and sometimes, too, I mean, certainly with the, the language barrier, you know, they they speak English, but it's certainly not their first language. So, you, you know, you use simple... You would you would get that you know you use simple language and, and try and be as descriptive but not too flowery clear as possible and that sort of thing but visuals yeah speak a thousand words.
0: So let's move on to a little about sales and marketing. So uh, you've been in the game a couple of years now. You know which channel have you found to be the best? Uh, online ways.
1: Do you know, it's funny, we are constantly sending products out to get reviewed and to bloggers and all sorts of things. And I found that um, the bags speak for themselves. So there's so many people out there trying to flog things. And I, I love to just get a bag into a blogger's hand, especially a mummy blogger, you know, someone who's got kids, and I know they're just going to die when they get it. That's actually proven beautiful, because you know, so many people, they, they get it, they love it, they rant and rave to their people about it and so on and that kind of thing. And women really love a nice referral and, and feel comfortable about buying something like that. So um, that's really strong. We, we tend not to do a lot of online advertising per se because we've, been, we've managed to sort of go more the PR, I guess, or social media route and it's so much more effective as well at the beginning we we did a lot of expos and sort of below the line stuff not um not necessarily online but that's kind of the nature of things where we're constantly um you know trying different different avenues and stuff like that and that certainly helped build up our database and stuff because we we send out regular newsletters and not to be a pain, but to educate and try and inform and give give value and and that sort of thing and about the product and about ways of using it or innovative ideas and things like
0: that. Yeah, because I guess a lot of it is like, know someone's playing golf they're using this their friends like hey where'd you get this and then they go to school and you know yeah like you know my my classmates using this where can I get this mom and then (laughs) yeah
1: oh my god and you should see parents at school it's it's just like a frenzy it's so exciting but you're right and word of mouth is really has blown my mind because this is the kind of product that people love if they like something they'll rant and rave about it so we really push kind of customer service about getting things out quickly because I don't know if you know, but in Australia, customer service is very average. So to stand out and, um, and appear pretty good, it's not that hard. So if you go that one step further and get it out even quicker or, you know, a little with a little note or a little thing, I, I find that goes a long way.
0: Yeah. I think average customer service is a global phenomenon no matter where you go. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, true. But I think but coming from North America where customer service is is pretty impeccable because people get paid often by that um, and stuff. So I was used to a certain standard, I guess. I just brought that with me as well.
0: One thing you mentioned was reaching out to bloggers. So how did you... How does that work? Like, What was your strategy to approach these mommy blogs?
1: It's probably more of a winter strategy because um, obviously we're not selling as much and that sort of thing. But it's a, it's a good time to kind of put my thinking cap on and, and have time to troll and look for all the these bloggers as well. So there's bigger and bigger groups of bloggers that they have launches for and all sorts of things. So it's not hard to find them. Um, I mean, there's a million of them. It's certainly trial and error to see who's actually really reaching people and being effective and that sort of thing. But I think even in my opinion, even if they only have a, a, a thousand Facebook likers, um, they're still talking to someone. And if I like their content and what they're doing, then I'll reach out to them and that sort of thing and just see what the response is like. And for the most part, I think the odd one says they don't accept any products um, for free and, and and that sort of thing, which is which is fine. But most of them are more than happy just to check out what's out there in the marketplace. And I don't say you have to do this or anything by, by all means. It's I just want to send it to you and you can test drive it and let me know what you think. And more than not, they... Um, they want to talk about it because they want to share it with their people which is really good
0: yeah don't be just because i sent it to you feel obligated to no. write something about it right
1: no and and i think too that's all about i come from a sales background so gosh who needs a, a pushy salesperson you know you get people calling you all the time and you just want to tell them where to go so my tactic is much more leave it up to them and and if they do nothing that you know it rarely happens, but it's not really a waste anyways because you probably educated one person anyway. Most likely, even if they don't blog about it, they'll tell some friends or, or things like that. So, But that's proven really effective.
0: Yeah, it's like the best sale is not even a sale at all, right? It almost feels good when you're sold that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, and people have to tell us online where they hear about us. So, I mean, Facebook really works for us. And we just have fridge to Go gooz as our Facebook um, name because, of course, there's a few other... Bridge to go Facebook sites, but, um, you know, we've built it out, up sort of gradually, and we're not massive, but it's really lovely. You put something out there, and you get feedback, and, and often that's what I'm looking for as well, just to see what engages them and what they're into, but I kind of treat them as if I w- how I would want to be treated, I guess, or spoken to.
0: Yeah, exactly, and it's interesting when you... Log on your Facebook page, and you see people that like your page. You like, you have no idea who they are, yeah, and
1: then, that is interesting.
0: <laughs> and then you see it grow,
1: and they're engaging you in conversation, and they really, you know, they. I find that so amazing. Or they'll even just send you an email and say, you know, thank you so much for this or that, or did you know this or that? And and I'm amazed when people take the time, but it's um it's really cool.
0: Yeah, and the tone they give you is that they seem to know you, but you're just doing your own thing, and then all of a sudden it's like I have this feedback.
1: Yeah, it is. It's really it's really personal. I've been tempted, I know so many people outsource their social media and, and don't end up doing it, but I, I, I actually really like the connection and, um, and the engagement and that sort of thing that I think, um, it, I think it helps with the business overall to really keep a, a down-to-earth grasp on what people are really thinking as well. Yeah.
0: So one thing with social media is you don't always want to be posting, you know, buy our stuff, buy our stuff. So how do you balance that out with your regular content?
1: I probably don't do enough of buy our stuff. I probably, it's the same sort of role, I guess I take with a blogger. I, I don't want to push it and say, buy it, buy it, buy it. Because a lot of the people who come on, a lot of them have already, already used our bags. So they like them and they love them. So I, I don't want to annoy them, I guess. So my tactic is more, to engage them and suggest things that have helped me. A new tactic of of something or other, a strategy or a really cool article I found or something that just made me smile or something that made me cry or whatever it might be. And every once in a while I go, oh, I should come back and do something about Frigida. So, I mean, I, I have a marketing plan or a social media plan that I stick to, but I'm not anal about it because... Things change, and you you don't always want to write about this or that, and and stuff that really engages you comes up, and and I think it's good to share that kind of thing.
0: And so, when you started the business, um, you know, which e-commerce platform are you guys on for the store?
1: We started with a business called Stores Online. Have you heard of them before?
0: Uh, no, I can't say I have.
1: They're out of the U.S., and um, you can build websites with them, and they help you, um, and they're on a beta platform, so don't didn't really have a choice of what platform and that sort of thing. Cause initially we didn't know much of anything about building websites and stuff like that. And we're just learning. Um, I mean, I guess we're all still learning and you keep learning (laughs) because it keeps evolving so much, but so we had help with them designing it. And then even now I can just log in and get, have someone on chat to help me if I can't figure out how to, you know, change a background or change an image or something's not coming up at this stage. I think, you know, eventually we'll get to the point where we want to, do more of a WordPress or something like that, but for now, it just fits because you know we have quite a bit of volume. It works, and if it doesn't work, I have help sort of seconds away, which is it gives me peace of mind.
0: Yeah, I see. And so you, but definitely, you know, didn't come from like a programming or deliver background, but that hasn't helped. Oh, but it hasn't, no. <laughs> but no, it hasn't no. held you back from building a successful. No, business.
1: and and you know, it's funny when you start talking. I mean, I can talk to computer nerds, and they might as well be talking. Japanese. But you know, in talking to the average Joe or even someone who's a little bit educated, you're amazed how much you learn. And you know, a lot of the time you can work in in a screen where it looks exactly how it's going to appear or you can work in the coding screen and so you by default learn about different codes and stuff like that and it's amazing how much you pick up and probably know more than you think which is exciting Mm.
0: I think after a year you you realize how much you've learned and you're like oh oh yeah (laughs) yeah
1: completely I mean but you have to keep keep pushing yourself because it's easy to sort of get complacent at times, but I mean, things move so fast, you got to try and keep up a little bit anyways. Yeah, all
0: right. All right, and so let's move on into some mindset topics. So you were saying you started the business when you were on maternity leave. So how did you balance that and to go from, you know, full-time mom to also entrepreneur?
1: Well, I'd come from the corporate world and selling advertising pretty full-on. And um, so I came from kind of stressful, crazy, and then went to having a baby, which was, oh, it, it was actually probably much more calm and relaxed than my job. <laughs> it was a really good headspace because I, you know, everything was changing. So it kind of made sense to keep the change going and that sort of thing. And initially we had a, a salesperson who who really got a lot of things kickstarted for me because I wasn't 100% in the headspace because I was kind of in airy fairy, you know, land of feeding at 3 a.m. and that sort of thing. So I um, was really flexible initially but it was all very much a slow build as well so um, pretty much the business grew as my son grew. But I
0: guess coming from advertising kind of high pressure environment, you already know what capacity you can operate at right and kind of with a child.
1: Yeah completely and so I think too you know I'll never have anyone leaning over my shoulder looking at what I'm doing you know and having flexibility and not having to be somewhere and and things like that is just gold and it's, it's It's worth so much money, (laughs) you know, and that sort of thing. I think you can't put a price on things like that, but, um, everyone's different, but I, I I just find for balance, it's, um, it's a beautiful business
0: model. Yeah. Yeah. And do you find your kids are a great, like test subject? You just like, Hey, you know, try this out to bring it to school, see what your friends say.
1: (laughs) Oh, completely. If you've been on our homepage, you can see, um, my six year old in his school uniform showing you how to use a fridge to go bag. There's a YouTube video because, um, it pretty much is showing you even a six year old can use it. He's been using it for years. So, and all of my marketing material is um, him and all his little friends.
0: <laughs> and you find it interesting because they are the end user, but obviously the parents have to buy it, right? So yeah. kind of your, your marketing has to be both sides in a sense. Right?
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty much the parent, but it's gotta be easy enough for them to use. Keep it simple, absolutely keep it simple. Little things like um, if you if you don't shut the bag again with the zip, then the cool escapes, and that's not a big deal if they've eaten their lunch, but on a really hot day, then you get hot in there mixed with the cold, and you get a lot of condensation. So it's just a breeding ground for mold, which is gross, And, and things like that. So it's not dire, but little things like, you know, telling kids zip it up all the time and and stuff like that Um, I mean you can you can throw the bags in the wash periodically as well to get them fresh again and and stuff but for the most part it's keeping it simple simple and and what I've taught my son to do and I tell everybody else to do too is to make it the kids responsibility so when they come home from school get them to unpack their school bag put their the little panel back in the freezer so it's there the next day and and just to teach them some responsibility so you know, depends on the age they are, obviously, and, and how responsible they are, but I think the sooner you can start things like that, the better.
0: Yeah, because you are what you eat, right? If you're what you're going to eat and you're going to put your lunch in a moldy bag, that's what you're going to eat at school, so.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's gross.
0: <laughs> do you find the sale is easier to the kid versus the parent, where the kid just says, hey, I want this, and the parent says, okay, or?
1: My son knows to educate all his little friends at school and stuff like that, but it's funny, but they, you know, they'll see it and they'll say, oh, I want the bag he's got, and so he's a great little salesperson actually but um kids are a lot like that they want what their friends have but some kids i think the really young ones don't really care and if it works then you know they're not really that that concerned that's what parents at the end of the day want that
0: it works yeah so your son jasper he's getting like a six year he's basically getting like a sales course training at school while he's
1: (laughs) he's yeah no he's brilliant He's six going on 12, I tell you.
0: Yeah, because you know, like sales, I think you once you become an entrepreneur, you realize how kind of important sales is, sales and marketing is, and then...
1: But I think, you know, we all do it every day, you know, with everything we do, we're always selling, but hopefully we're doing it subtly and with some tact. You know?
0: Yeah, uh, ethical selling is what we're talking about, yeah, Exactly. obviously. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, what was one thing uh, you wish you knew uh, starting out?
1: I mean, I think I always knew it was going to be hard work, and it certainly has been, but you get out what you put into it initially we did want to be everything to everybody and only when we really realized let's focus on a niche did we really start to have some big gains i think that was probably really important especially initially because you can do a lot of things okay but if you can do one thing really well um you can expand and grow on that
0: one thing just to go a little deeper than that is that when you when you niche down you know it's saying yes to the right people but also saying no to business too right sure
1: sure absolutely
0: you know how does that work out when you're saying no to business and you're starting out like you're purposely pushing business away or
1: in some senses i mean because we were we still deal with corporates and stuff like that we don't have to necessarily push it away we can still look after them but just on a different level so because the business model isn't just online selling selling one product or product range we We sell in lots of different ways. We have a a school fundraiser. You know, we we have all sorts of different things. So it's just where you put your energy, I think. Definitely 80% of my energy would be focused on parents and kids and that side of things because that's certainly where the majority of the, the business is. In terms of the website, you know, you still have to remember that you're talking to other people, too. But a lot of the time, it depends. You're not engaging them as much. So I don't think you offend them or anything like that, necessarily, if you don't talk to them. Um, And by default, sometimes, even if you don't mean to talk to them, you still are.
0: And kind of by default, gravitating towards your niche customers, it just grows from there, too.
1: Completely, completely. Yeah.
0: And so, you know, for someone, you know, who's looking to start a store, uh, you know, they're looking to get into manufacturing products. I mean, what's like one of the biggest business lessons you would tell them?
1: Definitely form a, a wonderful relationship or as close as you can with your manufacturer and with, with your suppliers. Getting in front of them and and showing them you know how serious you are and that sort of thing you know and keep the communication lines open as much as possible would be a good start for sure
0: mm-hmm. and so how does you, one build trust with the manufacturer kind of what are the lessons you've learned there
1: it's definitely comes over time you know you communicate as much as you can don't assume that they know what you're thinking or you know what they're thinking as well um, and you probably learn that the hard way at times through you know errors and all sorts of stuff but um there's so many ways to communicate you can you can have Skype chats you know you don't just have to email and most of the time it's email you don't even speak on the phone anymore but um you know with Skype and different things it's 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 not that hard and I think it depends where they are as well if um you know if they're in Asia or whatever it's it's not always easy to to go and see them all the time they don't necessarily have the time or want to see you either although I think most of them think it's a great thing but just building relationships and showing them that you you want to work with them and and building on it and and that kind of thing I mean it depends personally I like the business model of starting and and keeping it controlled growth as opposed to crazy i mean we all want to get bigger and and be successful and that sort of thing but um it i guess it depends what you're after in the at the end of the day
0: as well yeah, and notice on the facebook page there's a picture where i guess you visited the hong kong office so yeah is this something you do annually or pretty often or how does no it no,
1: no too often actually mainly because you know my my youngest is still only three and a half so um that makes it a little bit difficult but um periodically you know just depends on on opportunity and and things like that i mean we're in touch constantly so that's sort of not an issue
0: yeah i like how the inventor has the plate inventor on his mercedes (laughs) yes yes.
1: (laughs) it's hilarious he's um He's a hardcore inventor. He's even with the the Inventors Association in Hong Kong and and does talks and all sorts of things. So he... um, he is passionate beyond belief.
0: Yeah, he looks like he's yeah, he looks like a really big hitter. So I guess he just invents a lot of stuff and then he works with people to grow it into a business, kinda of, right. And he
1: But he's he constantly improves on things or he can does runoffs and spin offs on things and stuff like that. So
0: yeah, it seems like he enjoys inventing process, not necessarily the business building, right? But he doesn't want to just invent something and then
1: Yeah, but but he's very good at both actually, which I think is kinda rare. So um and he's a very personable person as well. So um which makes it that much easier.
0: Yeah, yeah. because most people that are inventors, they invent kind of random things and you don't really know if the market needs it to, So,
1: Well, and I think too, I mean, the Asian market's really different from Australia. So some of the things, you know, are interesting, but I'm not always, not always right for this market.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And different markets have their different needs and kind of... Completely. Takes Completely. That. Yeah, all right. Yeah. And so last question, you know, where can our audience uh, find you online if they want to get one of your bags?
1: Sure, so they can go to fridge... Hyphen two hyphen geo so fridgetogo.net.au
0: All right, so fridgeto.net.au with hyphens in between. Two. That's it.
1: That's awesome. it. That's
0: it. All right, Noel, thank you so much, and uh, I think we'll keep in touch.
1: Cool, that sounds great. Ciao.
0: To get more information about running an online store, visit our website at buildmyonlinestore.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store Podcast.